Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. John chapter 3, verse 16. Are you there? It says this, and it's in the words, the words are in red, so it's the writings or the words of Jesus. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As you know that this, this we have over these several weeks across campus, across our church, um, have kind of took the theme on of uh, these weeks leading up to Christmas as the history of his love, the history of the love of God. And it's very evident here that this is one of the most probably quoted and memorized scripture when it comes to the love of God, that God so loves the world. But in particular today, I want to talk to you um, from a subject or title if you're taking notes, and it may not make sense right now, but I'll get to it. But I want to talk to you on the subject of the contents of Christmas, the contents of Christmas. This is something that really began to stir in my heart over several weeks ago. And um, as you notice, they, they brought out this table with several Starbucks cups. And for those that got excited, thinking I was going to give free Starbucks away, I'm sorry, these are empty. They're just for show. But I have them for a reason, because this is what kind of started this thought turning over in my heart about the contents of Christmas as many of you are probably aware, maybe you're not, and some of you are really aware because you're probably in the next few moments, you're going to be guilty of what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but yeah, over several weeks ago, um, there was this issue regarding the Starbucks cup that got stirred up. And if you were on the news or especially social media, you could really see all the things that were going back and forth because they decided to change the design this year. And there were things that were formerly on the cup that were no longer on the cup. And it seemed to grab the attention of so many people, in particular, those that were of faith or of the body of Christ. And I was amazed at the fact that, you know, just glimpsing through social media out, out of all the comments that were made and, and how people were upset and frustrated and all the things that were being said. And I'm like, my Lord, geez. And don't get me wrong. I get that there are some things that we need to, you know, the Bible says cry aloud and spare not. I, I get there's some things that you talk about. But I was amazed at some of the comments and some of the things that were brought up from mainly the Christian background about the outside of a cup, the graphic on a cup, the painting on a cup. And so I just dug a little bit more and then I ran across this guy and hopefully he's here this morning. But anyway, I'm just playing. 
but um, that 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 just did this whole video about this whole thing in the Starbucks cup, and I was shocked that he he was just going off. I mean, he was just upset. He said, you know, Starbucks is is trying to kick God out. Starbucks has this thing against God. He want to honor, don't want to honor Jesus, don't want to honor Christmas, don't want to honor Christ, and and so he said, you know what? I got a big issue with that. And this is what he said. He said, you know what? I'm not going to boycott Starbucks, but what I am going to do is start a movement. <laughs> that I kind of laughed because <laughs> notice he said, I'm not going to boy or I'm not going to stop drinking Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Because, because even though many and those that are even of faith were making all the comments and, and making all the big issues about it, they were still in line at the drive-thru. They were still on the inside getting their Starbucks to get Monday morning started and get the day going despite what was on the outside of the cup. But this guy took it to a whole nother level and he did this little video and he's standing outside of Starbucks and, and you know, he, he made sure that you could see the Starbucks and the Starbucks logo in the background. And he said, you know, I'm just sick of this. They, they, they want to just throw Christ out. And he says, so I'm going to start a movement. And this is what he said. He said, they're not even saying Merry Christmas anymore. They're only saying happy holidays. So you know what he did? He said, so when I go in the Starbucks now, the first, he said, when I go up to the counter and they ask me my name, I tell them my first name is Mary and my last name is Christmas. Because if you are a person that goes to Starbucks, you know, right over here, they write your name with the little black Merry Christmas. So that when his drink is ready, because they call your name out when your drink is ready. So after he gets his order, they have to say, Merry Christmas, your drink is ready. And he's like, yeah. But then he said, I'm not even going to stop there. He said, and so every time I go, I make sure I have my Jesus t-shirt on too. That have Christ on the front and Jesus real big. The one with the thorns in his head. You know, the, to make sure it's big, bold, that you see Jesus. And he goes, and to really stir up things. He goes, I exercise my amendments and my right, so I carry my gun also. <laughs> because I want to start a movement against this whole thing about the outside of a cup that Starbucks have done. This guy and many others making a big fuss. And the thought hit me, and I'm talking to believers this morning in the church. Have we become so external focused that we're no longer content conscious? Okay, I'm going to add, they're mad at me, but I'm going to add. Have we become so external focused that we're no longer content conscious? Because what's funny, here's this guy doing all these outward antics, but he's still going in there drinking the coffee. Because he understands one thing, it's the contents that he's really after. It's the content that he really desires. And so, and here's the thing, this is a one time of the year thing. No one pitches a fit when the cup is white all year long. Why? Because it doesn't matter if the cup is white. It doesn't matter if it's red or black because it's not the external. It's the contents that you're after. 
Here's the thing. I did a little research. This cup, see, it's the contents that even brings value to this cup. I did a little research. This cup's in three parts, huh? This cup, this part, you know how much it's worth? Eight cents. This part, this part, five cents. This part, seven cents. Grand total, 20 cents. When I actually, 20 cents, this is what this is. When I actually went into Starbucks, I went to the counter and said, excuse me, how much would it be if I could buy like three Starbucks empty cup? You know, the big ones, the venti ones, you know, the big ones with the sleeves on it, with the lid. They said, what to buy? I'm not going to sell you that. Here, take the cup. How many, do you need any more? The lady was just so, she just wants, she's like, here, take all the cups you want. Why? Because she understood that the real value wasn't this. Now, if I'd have walked up there and ordered a drink, now we're talking about something totally different. Because once you put a triple, quad, extra hot, three Splenda, skinny, vanilla latte with drizzle on top, it goes from 20 cents to $6.20. Now, this that was seemingly insignificant has value because contents have been put on the inside. Oh, let me say this. And, and, and us as believers should get a real revelation of that. Because you got to understand our true value of who we are don't come from really who we are. It only comes when the contents of Christ enters into our own life. See, Adam was just a shell who had potential. He had a form, but until God breathed contents in him, only then he became a living soul. And so we have we become have we reduced our faith down, church? To, to, to the level that it's only graphic or paint thick. That we make a bigger issue about the outside than we do the inside. It is Jesus Christ himself. He spoke to this very thing in Matthew 23, 25. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tomb, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you are full of dead man's bones and all cleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is what Jesus was correcting and rebuking and the religious people of the day because they were so focused on the outside. They were so focused on the, inter on the external that they were neglecting the internal. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ is more concerned with the content of your character than your external presentation. See, 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 reputation is what people think you are, but character is who God knows you are. And he's more concerned with the content. What's on man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. This year in a couple weeks. You know that there's a famous cartoon that comes around this time of year. It's called the Charlie Brown Christmas. It's been around since 1965 with its first debut. And when it first came out in 1965, Charles Schultz got some little, you know, heat from it 
A lot of the networks and the executives um, that were involved, they told him they felt like it was going to be a flop. In other words, that were on the network, they kind of gave him pushback because they said, wait a minute, you're quoting the Bible in that cartoon. That may offend viewers. But Schultz decided, I'm not going to take the Bible out. I'm going to go with it. And then this year at Christmas, when Charlie Brown Christmas comes on, this will be 50 years consecutively that that cartoon has played. Hold on. But my point is, the, 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 the main scene of that cartoon is when Charlie Brown, he is, he's gone out to find a Christmas tree. And he's out looking everywhere. And he's, he finally found, he's looking at all these different trees. And he finally finds one that he feels that looks good. This looks good. This looks like it ought to be a great tree. This looks like it ought to be an awesome tree. And he brings the tree back to all of his friends. Leaves are falling off left and right. Little, poor little tree. It was just struggling. And he brings it back and sits in it in the front of his friends. And they all make fun of him. They all laugh at him. They said, you are crazy. You have lost your mind. Charlie Brown, you did it again. What are you thinking? You're such an idiot. They called him. They were mean little bad kids to Charlie Brown. And I mean, just giving him the third degree. And Charlie, out of frustration and just aggravation, he thought he went out and found the thing that looked the best. He just says these words. He said, well, somebody tell me. What's the real meaning of Christmas then? It was then that little Linus with the blanket steps on the scene and he quotes Luke 2 and 8. And he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. And he steps back and says this, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. What was he saying? Charlie, why are you getting all upset? You're upset because your focus was on the externals of Christmas. Your focus was on how well a tree would look. He said, but you need to be focused on the contents of Christmas. What Christmas is really about, it's about Jesus Christ. Listen, all of the decorations are fun, are great, and all of the decorations are fine. We do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying not to do that, but what I am saying that it should not be the focus. We can't go through another Christmas season and allow the Charlie Brown syndrome to get on us as the church where celebrating Christmas is all about the external stuff. It's all about the lights. It's all about the glitz and glamour. It's all about how it's been commercialized. It's all about how culture and society, we as believers have to go deeper than just a label and an image on a cup and get down to the contents of Christmas and it's about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Understand it's about the contents. And the worst thing we could do is just go through this time and season just routinely and loosely. And really, it's possible to, to, to celebrate break Christmas and not really encounter Christmas. I told the last service, Christmas is not a day and a season. Christmas is a person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to encounter him. I believe there's something unique about this time of year. I believe hearts are open to receive. I believe there's supernatural favor 
favor and power and anoint. I believe that some of the greatest miracles and breakthroughs can come in this season. It was a miracle what happened to Mary during that time. Something happened to mankind that never happened before at Christmas time in Bethlehem. Could it be if we get hearts that are hungry, spirits that are thirsty, that we can see some of the greatest moves of God in our own personal life, in our family during this time, if we not just caught, get caught up in the external, but we seek after the contents of Christmas. In our text, in John three sixteen, I want to pull from that some contents of Christmas. Not an exhaustive list, but just a few. Notice the Bible said that God so, number one, so loved the world. If you're taking notes, the first content of Christmas I want you to write down is that he so loved the world. The Bible speaks of love in four different forms. The first is eros. It's a self-seeking love, more of a physical love, a love that only loves because of what it can get out of it. And then there is sturgio which is limited to family love or familiar love. It's like love um, between family members. And then there's phileo that's based on a mutual satisfaction. In other words, I'll love you if you love me. I'll give to you if you give to me. It's, it's all about what I can get. It's tit for tat type of love. If you don't, I won't. If you will, I will. It's that type of love. But that's not the love that God was talking about when he said, I so love the world. He was talking about what the Bible calls agape love. And it speaks of the unconditional love of God. A love that loves not because of, but in spite of. A love that's by choice and by the act of will. Listen, it's a love that doesn't need chemistry, affinity, or feeling. It's a love that is unconquerable and undefeatable. It's a love that knows no limits, no boundaries, and how far, wide, high, or deep it will go to show that love to the recipient that is after. It seeks only the good in an individual. It's a love that looks beyond the faults and see the needs. It's a love that was demonstrated in the story of, of Hosea and Gomer. If you ever read that story, it's an amazing story of God's love. The Bible said God told a preacher, he told a man of God, a man of God, a preacher to go down. And he said, I want you to take a prostitute for a wife and love her. Yes, go down to the red light district and find your wife. That's not typical in these days and times for a preacher. Could you imagine the embarrassment? Could you imagine the shame? Could you imagine what kind of stigma that came with that? But God said, no, I want you to go. Matter of fact, go right into the strip club. Go right. Matter of fact, go to the edge of the stage and reach your hand out, pull her off that pole and say, you're going home with me because God says you're my woman right in the middle of embarrassment. Try that and see what happens in this day and age. And the Bible says she was so unfaithful. She would go off and, and, and not come home. She would leave two and three nights a week and not come home. There came a time, but he would still go after her, searching the streets high and low, bringing her back. There was a time that she even began to have children by another man, but he still loved her and he was there and actually took those children in as his own. What am I trying to show you? It's a picture. It's a type and shadow that, of God's love that he has for the children of Israel, but even his people because 
guys. It's a love that will never give up on you. It's a love that will chase you down. It's a love that refuses to allow what you're going through to, to keep you down and out. His love will come in any place, any time, any area. It doesn't matter. It's a love that will not give up on you. And I don't care what you've done and I don't care what you've been through. You cannot stop the love of God. There's nothing that you can do to get him to love you any less and there's nothing that you can do to get him to love you anymore because his love is complete. It's a sealed done deal. I'm talking about the unconditional love of God. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You may be in this Christmas season. You're feeling unloved. You're feeling undervalued and uncared for but you chose the right service this morning. There is a God in heaven that says I love you so much. Your value to me was for me to send my son and die on the cross and shed your blood that I could have a right relationship with you. Folk gave up on you. People gave up on you. Family alienated you. But I did not. My love hasn't given up on you. My love is not sick and tired of you, but my love is for you. I told this, I told them in my in our family back east, Christmas time, we did gift exchange. And um, we always did it at my Nana's house, Shanna's grandmother. We call her Nana. Yeah, Nana. And she's such a giving person, such a huge heart. And, and she wants to do everything for everybody, even at what well, she's 80, 83 years old. But she still wants to do everything for everybody and tries to do everything. But she would go to her extent on a fixed income, you know, just very humble woman. But she'll, she'll, go, she'll, she'll spend her last dime to make sure every grandkid has a gift. She does it every year. Not one grandkid will not re receive a gift from Nana. But she does make it pretty easy for herself. Because there's not a whole variety of gifts. Matter of fact, there's two options. Underwear and socks. That's it. Whichever year you might feel lucky, you might get two, two pairs, two years in a row socks. You might, you might hit bad luck and catch a pair of fruit of balloons in between or something. But, 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 but those are the gifts. And I always want to err on the, on the side of socks. But even with socks that she would get, because she didn't, you know, regardless, she would always get, and then had a big tag on the side that says, one size fit all. <laughs> Nana had you covered. But can I tell you, that's what the love of God is. It's one size that fits all. It's the one thing that fits all things. Because the Bible said love covers a multitude of sin. It's the one size that fit all races. And I don't care if you're black, it's one size that fit all. If you're white, one size that fit all. If you're Hispanic, Asian, Latin, it doesn't. It's one size that fits all. His love fits all. And I told the last service, I'm going to rattle the, the religious cage right here. Because his love, yeah, one size fit all. It fits all Muslims. It fits all all Mormons. It fits all Buddhists. 
this. I know that messes with you. Yeah, I know that it fits homosexuals. It's, it fits heterosexuals. It fits bisexuals. It fits transvestites. I'm going to call it all out. But see, that messes with our religious mind because we don't understand the real love of God. We don't have a real revelation of the contents of Christmas because they don't look right on the outside. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. But that's not why he came. He came to give contents to Christmas and said, my love will run after you. My love fits everybody. I came to seek and save that which is lost. It's the love of God, the true contents of Christmas. He hates sin, but he loves people. Oh, give him praise for his love this morning. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Don't you forget the pit from which you were dug. Don't you get so sanctified and holy that you look down on people. You hadn't always been where you are this morning. You hadn't always had your hair did with your nice little shoes on. There was one time you didn't have money to get a haircut. One time you didn't have a car to drive. And now you got all your stuff you done got fancy. But I came to remind you of the contents of Christmas. The love of Jesus Christ. Give him praise and I'll move on. You just don't know how wicked they are. You wicked too. You just hide yours better. Let me stop. I got to be in love. Second content is his son. Notice he said, God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. When he said begotten, it wouldn't mean only as in one. Because Jesus is the firstborn of many. But when it said only begotten, it means his unique son. His son would be like no other son. When you talk about his uniqueness, Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. As a child of Mary, he was born in Bethlehem. As a son of God, he was from everlasting. As a child, he had a beginning. But as the son of God, he was the beginning. You can trace his lineage back to David. But his roots go back to eternity. He was, I'm telling you, he was a unique son of God. He was unique in three ways as this. Number one, he was Jesus, but he was fully God. He was Jesus, but he was, what are you saying? The Bible says in Colossians 2, 9, that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him, the heavens cannot contain him. But all the fullness of the Godhead bodily was in him. I, I was thinking about this. And this week, I, I, um, our team from Georgia sent me a bunch of files. And they initially had to try, they tried to send them just over our internet. And it, wouldn't, and it wouldn't go through because the files were so large and so big. And so what they did was they used a, a software uh, that, that's called WeTransfer. And what it does, it takes those large files, condenses them down into a format that can be transferred over through the email. And once I receive them, I can download them. Even though they were reduced in the process, when I get them, they are not reduced in their content. They're actually the same files that they had, but it was the process of coming from where they were to where I was that had to reduce them in a way that I could receive them. So when you talk about Jesus, huh? 
Jesus was our modern day we transfer because it was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All three, the God we transferred through Jesus Christ. They, they, they brought themselves down in a format that he could come into the earth and be deposited in our life so we could experience on earth, come on, what they have in heaven. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm talking about in him. And so when the Bible says that we are in him, and if all that is in him, then that's in me. Oh, God. Is anybody hearing me? This uh, In him was the fullness of the Godhead body. He was full of God. The Bible said it was God in Christ reconciling man unto himself. God personally came through Jesus Christ. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. The scripture tells us this right here. As fully man, the Bible said that he was made in the likeness of men in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7. He was made... One translation said he put on the form of man or fashioned himself as man. In other words, the wrapping that he chose to use to come to us was the wrapping of flesh. Mm, he gift wrapped himself in flesh to come to you and I at Christmas. Oh, God. I, so many people, you know, my wife is one of them calling out right now. Get all caught up in the wrapping at Christmas time. You got to save that paper. I can use that next year. Ooh, child, that's some good wrapping paper. You know, just all, I'm, I'm tearing stuff. Up. I don't give a rip about the wrapping. But see, there's a revelation. See, there's a revelation in the wrapping of flesh because it's the wrapping that allowed him to bring our redemption. Because he came in the flesh so he can relate to us who are in the flesh. Because uh, the Bible said that he's our high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And the reason why he can feel what he feel because he's walking in what you're walking in. Oh my God, are you hearing me? So listen, when you come up and you say, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm facing. Nobody knows what, I, what I'm feeling. And nobody knows what I've gone through. And the enemy tries to overwhelm you with loneliness and alienation and isolation. Oh, no, no, no. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus knows everything that you're going through. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows your struggle. He knows your issue. And I'm glad that we have a friend that stick closer to, than a brother because he is God with us. He's in man. I came down here to be with you. I'm God with you, Emmanuel. I'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll walk with you through crises and challenges and adversity. He is the friend that will stick closer than a brother and never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I want to tell somebody that Jesus knows what you're going through and he's there for you. Fully God. Fully God. Fully man. And faithfully without sin. Because the scripture said this he was tempted in every point, yet without sin. Mm, that's why we have no excuse for our temptations. Because there's not a temptation. That's why it says, oh God, there has no temptation taken you such that is common to man. But God will, with every temptation, 
provide a way of escape. Why? Because I, he said, there's no temptation that you're being tempted with that I wasn't either. And the very fact that I didn't succumb to it, you don't have to either because I'll give you power. So watch this. He said, with every temptation, there's a way of escape. So there's nothing that you'll be tempted with that there's not a way out. God. See, see, it's just like this building. Anytime you go in the building, watch this. You got to look for the exit signs. <laughs> There's always exit signs in temptation. God never allows you to be so bound up and so surrounded that there's no exit signs. I'm telling you, there's not a temptation that there's not a way of escape. He is your green light. He's your exit sign. He's your out. He's your way of deliverance that you don't have to succumb to temptation. I got to move on. Fully God, fully man, and faithfully without sin. But let's move on to the sacrifice. Because not only was it he's, it was his love, he was a unique son. But then you need to think about the sacrifice. What do you mean? God so loved, here it is, he gave his only begotten son. Understand that true love always seeks to give and not to get. I'm going to say it again. True love seeks always to give and not to get. I want to say that to some, some married people this morning. You that are in relationships. Your relationship and your marriage will never succeed if you, have a, if you are approaching it with a gimme spirit. What you can give me. What you can bring to me. What are you bringing to the table? What you bringing to the table? <laughs> because see, it, 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 true love is about giving. It seeks to give. See, true relationship and true love is about reciprocity. You want scripture? Good. I'm glad you asked. God said it this way. Watch this. Give and it shall be given to you. And not only shall it be given, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But I can't expect to receive if I'm not willing to first give. I got to be willing to give. True love seeks an opportunity to give. So God said, you know what? I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to go ahead and give myself to you before you ever give yourself to me. Because he said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't even know if you're going to accept me. I don't even know if you're going to just ignore me the rest of your life. But that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and hang on the cross and pay the price. So when you get ready, just know that I'm here. And if you will, I will. That's what grace is. If you will, I will. Because I've already paid the price. <laughs> Sacrifice. It comes in two aspects. There was his initial sacrifice. And there was his ultimate sacrifice. What do you mean, Javon? The initial sacrifice. Think of it. When he had to come down from heaven into this horrible earth. Listen to what this scripture says. Philippians said this. Though he was God, he did not think it of equality with God as something to cling to. Listen, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. 
He gave up his divine privileges. Wow. That word fashioned himself is the Greek word schema. And it means a king who exchanged his kingly garment for a brief period of time for the clothing of a beggar. In other words, that king says, I'm going to lay this off for just a period of time. And I'm going to take on the garments of the beggar. But then there's coming a day where I'm going to lay it off and I'm going to pick up my robe again. That's exactly what Jesus did. He laid it all off. And when he came down with the initial sacrifice, the scripture said he knew it would only be for a period of time. It would only be a period of about 33 years. But when I tell you when he comes back, he's not coming back. With beggars clothes on. He's coming with a scepter in his. Oh my God. He's coming on. Oh, does anybody still believe that Jesus is coming back again? But when notice that, notice when he came down. Notice the people that the first the message of his coming down, the people that it first came to. The Bible said it was shepherds. Who are at the bottom of the societal scale, if that's even a word. I just made it a preacher word. At the bottom of the scale, they were looked at as outcasts. They stink. They're, they're nasty because they dealt with dead sheep every now and then. You're not even worthy to come in the temple. But, but the first announcement wasn't to the Magi, but it was to shepherds. Seemingly insignificant people. Not only the announcement to the people, but look at the person. When God got ready to come, he didn't, he didn't, he walked by Fashion Island. He looked at Louis Vuitton and said, mm -mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked at Protestant, nah, Gucci won't do it. Kept on walking. Because he wasn't looking for Victoria's Secret models. He wasn't looking for Miss Americas or Miss Jerusalems. But the Bible said that he found a little peasant girl. <laughs> that had no name. Had no significance. Nothing special about her but one thing. She was a virgin. And God said she may not have all the prestige. But she's pure. And God will always promote purity over prestige. Boy, I just said something there. He will always promote. Some of you are so image and external trying to look like this and look like that and look like that and look like this for that person and look like that for that person so you can impress that person. Let me tell you how you impress God. It's not about your external presentation. The Bible said a pure heart, a pure heart, a pure spirit. That's what honors God. That's what pleases God. And he'll always promote purity over prestige. said I'm coming look who the people but then not only that look at the place I came to a manger scene a feeding trough stinky animals horrible conditions not the typical place they didn't have hog 
Mission Viejo. There's no gynecologists surrounding them. Midwives, they had donkeys, chickens for an audience. Clucking, just seeing everything take place. That was the only person. But imagine how it was, how uncomfortable, how smell. Not only, not only, not only just the place, but look at the posture. I, I, this is stuff that I, I think about. But he, a baby of all things. We know he could have created a grown man if he wanted because he did that in the beginning. But I believe he was specific. It had to be a baby. Think about a baby, how fragile a baby is, how needy a baby is, how, how a baby has to depend on someone else. It can't help himself. It's weak. It's fragile. But my point is this. That's, where, that's the kind of people that he came for. That's the kind of people that he come to. He comes for those that seem like they're insignificant. He comes to those that feel like they've lost all value and self-worth. He comes down into the manger scene of your mess as the Messiah. The Messiah is not intimidated by your manger. He comes out. I know it stinks. I know it's funky. I know you in some stuff that nobody else wants to deal with. But I'm telling you, the, the contents of Christmas is about a Savior and a king who will come down right in the manger scene of your mess and bring about change and transformation and help and love. And I see, see, you know, people, I'm gonna tell you why those that are clapping, because they remember the manger that God found them in. They remembered how stinky their mess was. They remember the feeding trough of addiction that they were in one time at life. But Jesus came right in the middle. I love him. He'll come right in the middle of a crack house, he'll come right in the middle of abuse. He'll come right in the middle of neglect. He'll come right in the middle of abandonment and say, Behold, I bring you good tidings of joy. Oh, is anybody hear me? I'm talking about the contents of Christmas. Let me move on to the last thing. That was the initial sacrifice. But look at the ultimate sacrifice which was the cross. Hear me when I say this. It wasn't the birth of Christ that brought salvation. It was the death of Christ. Birth started the mission, but the cross finished the mission. Birth allowed him to relate to us in the flesh, but the cross allowed him to redeem us from the sins of the flesh. The birth of Christ brought God to man, but the cross of Christ brings man to God. Born the son of man, but also the lamb of God. Christmas, Pastor Franklin says this is completely about Christ's love seen most clearly in his sacrifice. He says this, Christ plus nothing is everything. Everything minus Christ is nothing. When Jesus came to the earth, we built for him a cross. But when he went back to heaven, he built for us a mansion. He was a sacrifice. And the last thing he says one last content, and I'm closing for real, real this time. Was he was the Savior. He said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that through the world it might be saved. What did he save us? He said, I came to save them from their sin. Not save them in their sin. I don't know where that comes from. He don't save you to stay bound. He saved you to set you free because he saves you from sin and the consequences of sin. 
So I can never be settled with addiction and bad habits and wrong mentalities and a jacked up lifestyle because salvation was not only to save me from sins, but the consequences of sins whom the son of man sets free is free indeed. Total liberty and total freedom. The Bible said sin has a cost. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It is often said, and you've heard this, concerning sin. It takes you further than you want to go, costs you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin separates, the Bible said, in two forms. He said in Isaiah, your iniquities have separated me from you. Separates you eternally. But as believers with besetting sins, it separates us from fellowship and intimacy. We can't draw closer to it. We can't go deeper in our walk and relationship. But sin will also enslave you. Because the Bible said, whom you yield yourselves to obey, his servants you become to whom you obey. I want you to hear it in this translation. Listen to what it says. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. But the great thing about the contents of Christmas, he said, that's why I came, that I would be the propitiation for your sins, that I would save you from them, and I would save you out of them and the consequences of them. So I just stopped by today to tell you and to remind you, don't get caught up in the externals and the outward things. It's fun. Have your parties. Go have fun and, 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 and be with family. That's all good. That's great. But let the contents be at the top of the list. The son, the savior, the sacrifice and the unconditional love, that that be the whole motivation of this season, then I not get caught up in celebrating the Christ and never experiencing the Christ. God help us. Stand to your feet. As I drove in this morning, I always take a lap around the church and I just say, Lord, bless this place today. And do great works but I, this morning the cross was illuminated shining bright out there and it looked so good shining in the dark and I pulled right up under and I looked up and I said Lord that looks so awesome that's so bright how it shines in the dark but then I said God just as this cross is shining bright on the outside I pray that by your spirit, you would cause it to shine bright on the inside of our hearts this Christmas season. May the Holy Spirit illuminate his love to you. Illuminate the Savior to you. Illuminate the sacrifice that was made. And illuminate the goodness of his son that you truly have a Merry Christmas. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please, no one leaving, no one moving. In this time, we are celebrating 
the coming of Christ during this season. But my question is, are you prepared for the return of Christ? Because he's coming back again. And maybe you walked in this room and you know that you're not in right standing with Jesus Christ. You know there's sin in your life and you're far from God. Maybe you're in a manger scene right now and things are just a mess and you're hurt and you're broken and you felt like you've been all alone, but you've heard a word today that, that there's a man named Jesus who, who's touched with all of our feelings. For some of you, as we were sitting there and when I was talking about the love of God, something began to move on your heart. You even said, he still loves me even though I did this. He's still for me even though I did this. Yes, he is. And that feeling that you felt inside is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And conviction is nothing more than the love tap of God saying, come home. Saying, come. Let me heal you. Come. Let me restore you. Come. Let me give you life. Come. Let me give you peace. Come. You've been searching everywhere else. But I have exactly what you need. But friend, he will only come where he's invited. If you're in this room this morning, you would say, Javon, you're talking to me. I want that love. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.